At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator. Good evening, it's The Rocket Shop. I'm your host, Tom Proctor, and with me tonight, it's the legendary band, Death. Hello, guys. Hey, hey how, how are you? Man? How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm so excited for you guys to be in the studio, uh, true Vermont legends, or just kind of musical legends in general, really. Uh, we usually start with a song, but I wanted to give our audience a little bit of background about you guys. Uh, so, you are... you literally one of the first punk bands in America from Detroit. Tell me a little bit a bit about your beginnings, where you're from, how you got into punk in the first place, and uh, yeah, the, the the quick bio of the band Death. Well, you know, it's pretty precarious that people call us, you know, the, the proto-punk band. We appreciate that. I mean, rock historians um, have labeled us this, and, um, you know, the, the, the general music audience has, and I mean, it's something that we accept. At the time, when we were making this music in 1974, 1975, man, we were we were just playing hard drive in Detroit rock and roll. I mean, it wasn't really called punk. If you call somebody punk back in 1974, you might have gotten one or two things, a black eye or a bloody nose. <laughs> so it was really not a term that had been coined yet for music. But, um, you know, in retrospect, uh, after so many years, you know, me and my brother Dennis looked back on it and we kind of, um, you know, analyze even our own music. I guess we were making it a little bit faster and a little bit harder, but, you know, our influences was 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 any rock and roll Detroit band's influences at the time, Iggy and the Stooges, MC5, Grand Funk Railroad, Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes, um, you know, the Rationals, Bob Seger. I mean, we had so many great influences in Detroit um, that was doing, you know, um, this kind of, really kind of underground, you know, I mean, some of them would break the surface and get on commercial radio, like Iggy had a had a big hit with the 1969 thing, and the MC5, every once in a while, you'd hear, of course, Bob Seger, he had a lot of local hits, but for the most part, these were kind of underground bands, I guess, and they did, in retrospect, have that garage sound. So, brother, we were just really just trying to, to you know, be in line with the rock and roll sound of that time, but we had our own, you know, our own swing to it. And, uh, of course, being naturally an all-black band on the east side of Detroit and all-black community playing uh, this hard-driving rock and roll, we got a lot of rejection. <laughs> so that might have been the engine that fueled us to drive it, playing harder, faster, and louder. Well, I was going to say, did that make you more punk? The fact that you were rejected from your own... Um kind of your own area and especially because uh you were probably playing slightly different music than than what most people were used to did that did that influence you even further well yeah it did because i mean like you said you know uh being alienated from the rest of the community kind of makes you have different feelings so i mean you know that probably contributed to the harder faster thing um but no, we just wanted to do our own thing, man. I mean, we knew what the neighborhood was doing, but we knew what we wanted to do. And, you know, by us trying to have it our way, 
it made a little friction, so, you know, there was a battle, so to speak. <laughs> well, you guys started out as a funk band, right? And then you pivoted to the to, to like hard driving rock and roll. So what was the cause for that pivot? Because I can imagine funk was more in line with the community at the time. Well, we started um, we we started in '71. You know, it was a band called Rockfire Funk Express. I mean, we was doing the fusion thing. Everybody was into the fusion thing at the time, so we were trying to fuse everything together. You know, and we were kind of seeking our identity as well. But uh, yeah, the funk thing was a good transition actually into rock and roll because, I mean, at the time you had George Clinton and the Funkadelics who was borderlining on kind of like the rock, but not, I mean, he was like kind of a, a borderline between rock and soul. He was a bridge between the rock audience and the soul audience of Detroit. But you had a lot of rock people who liked the Funkadelics and you had a lot of soul people who liked, uh, you know, people who liked soul music who liked them as well. So, I mean, being in a funk band in Detroit, uh, with what the Funkadelics was doing, it was kind of a natural transition because that was right around the time of Sly and the Family Stone mm. um, and, you know, all these great groups that, um, you know, was, was doing this funk thing. And so we were in line with that. But it, it, it was a real good bridge right to rock and roll because the world of funk and rock and roll, they kind of were flirting and, 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 and uh, should I say, interacting with each other at the time. And um, what were people expecting when they turned up to one of your gigs? What was the kind of feel and uh, atmosphere um, of a death gig back in the 70s? Well, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of gigs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was obvious that people who did show up to our gigs didn't expect what we... We just left Detroit uh, two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago and we played at a place where we played a long time ago and they literally kicked us out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay because it was a uh, you know you know when factory workers get together after after work they want booze and they want blues <laughs> okay and when we got invited to one of their cabarets and you know Everybody's all buzzed up and they're expecting some of that blues stuff. And when they looked at us, our first song was Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we played our thing and played another song and played another song. And you could literally hear a pin drop in the place. <laughs> and the place was packed. And, you know, when we got, you know, done our final crescendo and left the stage... You know, it was just one guy who came up to the stage holding both his ears going, you're too loud. And that was the summation of our gig. How many years ago was that? 30-something years ago? Over and we just left this though. place yeah. yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, and it was a whole new scene, yeah. whole nother scene. Yeah. I mean, they was doing this pre-kind of Halloween party. They called it a bazaar, and it, it was bazaar. <laughs> um, but, you know, I told Bob, I was just standing outside the place. I said, the last time we, we played here, they kicked us out on our ears. Now they're calling us back to play, and the place is just chock full of people. I'm guessing the crowd were a little bit more receptive this time around. Well, they knew what to expect, and they got <laughs> what they expected. The, uh, the first crowd didn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, I think uh, for the sake of our audience, I think we should play uh, one of your tracks so they kind of know what to expect themselves. So yeah. do you guys mind introducing it and we'll, uh, we'll get, let it play? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, this is the one that kind of um, <coughs> kind of brought it all back for us, you know. I mean, we released this song in 1976, recorded it in 1974 and 75, and um, uh, we only released like 500 records of this. And who would have known that uh, this, you know, little obscure 45 would end up in the uh, New Smithsonian Museum? So, uh, you know, I mean, it's really the one that kind of brought it all back for us, you know, because this is the one that uh, Ben Blackwell heard on Chocolate and uh, went seeking it out, and the record collectors and the rock historians kind of came out of the woodwork and said, hey, what is this? Where's this band? Who are these guys? And here we are tucked away in Vermont playing reggae music. And they came and they found us and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So I really have to say thank to all the uh, internet scours and all the, the, the guys who love, and the people who love vinyl music, who constantly search the internet looking for these, these wonderful things of the past because they kind of, you know, they help to, to bring us back uh, right into the forefront. All right, well, can't wait to give this a listen. So, take it away, Bob. One, two, three, now!
politicians in my eyes are by death. I did notice on your website, great quote from Jack White, of, you know, the white stripes, of course. Um, the first time the stereo played politicians in my eyes, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. When I, told, when I was told the history of the band, what year they recorded this music, I just, it, it didn't make sense. Ahead of punk and ahead of their time. Now, um, obviously, praise from Jack White is high praise indeed. <laughs> You've had massive praise from a lot of, as you say, like rock musicians, um, journalists, historians. Who's been, who, who is, uh, who's come out and talked about you that has meant the most and who's been the most surprising? Well, you know, I mean, Jack White was definitely, I mean, him being a Detroit brother too, you know, mm. I mean, that really meant a lot to us. Kid Rock, uh, that meant a lot to us. Um, you know, I mean, some of the people who, who really, I think that, 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 that really surprised us was, uh, I mean, Elijah Wood, you know, and, 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 uh, Alice Cooper, Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. You know, who was so, the first person yeah. I ever saw yeah. rock out on the rock and roll stage. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, it, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's the accolades that come in is, is really we really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I mean, the only regret that we have is that David couldn't hear all of this, you know, because, right. uh, uh, you know, I mean, then again, we always say maybe he is, you know, I mean, we don't, you know, David's always been that kind of a spirit, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's not only flattering, but it's just really, uh, nice to hear that your work gets appreciated even after all these years. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, about your comeback, should we say? So you know, you kind of uh, you you came up to Vermont in the '80s. You started a new band, um, I believe, called the uh, let's see, Fourth Movement. Yeah. And um, yeah, you you kind of pivoted away from your punk origins, even if you wasn't called punk <laughs> at the time. And by and large, kind of had a, a small band up in Vermont for, for many years, but didn't really. Raise, raise a roof in the same way as you mm -hmm. do now. Mm -hmm. So how did you get rediscovered, if you will, and what did that end up leading to? Wow, just, um, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, the, 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 the discovery was these record collectors and these wonderful people who seek after the vinyl of, of old uh, gems, you know, and uh, we didn't really know what was happening. Uh, what really uh, kind of opened my eyes when I got a call from my son in San Francisco, Julian, who had went out there for a while. And uh, he asked me if I knew that they were playing my music at these underground raves. And I thought he was talking about Lamb's <laughs> Bridge. You know? And uh, he said, no, Dad. He said, you, you were in um, a rock band in the 70s called Death. And um, when he said that, and then he said, politicians in my eyes and keep on knocking. I mean, when he just said, death, politicians in my eyes and keep on knocking, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And, and my jaw dropped because, you know, I mean, if you've seen the documentary, we never really, I mean, because of all the rejection and everything, and maybe just because of that, we just wanted to move on. We never really enlightened our kids about what was going on when we did this stuff in the, in the 70s in Detroit. They always knew us as, reggae stars so they always knew us i mean they had seen the big festivals and us hanging out with yellow man and ziggy marley and you know and 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 all these other rock i mean reggae stars so 
to uh, to them, uh, we were like these this this reggae these reggae stars, you know. And so we kind of wanted to keep the shine in their eye. We didn't want to really tell them about the fact that we were in a rock band and nobody in the world wanted to listen to us but us, <laughs> practically. Uh, and so to them, it was uh, it was pretty surprising and it was amazing. And uh, you know, I mean. They they just that's how they found out about it and and that call was real interesting. If you see the movie, um, you know there's a part in there where, where my son Julian talks about it. Yeah, and uh, it must have felt. I mean, I can't talk about how you were feeling at that moment, but were you proud that your your son was kind of the catalyst for the for rediscovering? Uh, your old band and and kind of putting you back on this on this track, especially towards like punk, uh, legendary glory. If you will. Well, you know, I'm glad that it, it was them who, who who were in the group of people who discovered it, uh, who were right there in the group of people who were right in the first part of it being discovered, and uh, so it was it was good. It was really good for for them and uh, very emotional for all of us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that documentary. So you've got. Um, you got a re-showing of the documentary coming up on the, um, let me see here, 19th of October? Saturday the 19th at the East Center, which is the 3D Essex Cinema um, Center. They have uh, basically a, a, a performance um, center set up there now, and we'll be performing right in the 3D um, cinema. They have a stage set up. They're also... Will uh, they're gonna allow people to dance in the pit, man? So if you want to dance in the pit at the uh, 3D Cinema, so you can say, "Hey, I, I I I did some I did some pit dancing there at the 3D Cinema. Come on out Saturday, and uh, it's gonna be a rocking good time, man. We plan to really rock out. I mean, this is special for us because, you know, in the story, uh, we moved from Detroit to Vermont in 1977. And, uh, you know, that's when death first came here. And I mean, we literally came here with nothing, nothing but a dream. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been able to do some amazing things. My brother and I raise a family here. We have Bobby Duncan here who, um, basically out of, seemed like he was spiritually, spiritually planted here with us, you know, I mean, where else could we find a great guitar player, um, who's not only in our age group, um and uh looks like us but uh knows and appreciates rock and roll comes from new york grew up in the same type of uh uh music uh era that we did and and and, and bobby you can even elaborate a little bit on you know oh well yeah well this whole thing came about pretty amazingly as far as i'm concerned uh you know you were talking about uh how this all came about well how it came about for me is uh about 14 years ago I actually relocated to this state 15 years ago, moved my whole music career studio, the whole nine yards, up to Vermont, family and things like that, and uh, just plan to do a, you know, to do something up here as I'm still doing. But, you know, uh, Bob and I met each other and we started doing land spread, you know, and that's all I knew them as, you know, just, you know, reggae musicians and we get together and play reggae and some jazz and some R&B. Rock never crossed the boundary of the front door. And uh, then one day, of course, as you were just mentioning, uh, you know, the uh, whole thing was rediscovered and Bob presented it to me. 
And uh, from that day on, like things have changed, and we just decided to start doing the Death Project again. And uh, it's been a very fortunate, very fortunate thing for all of us, you know. It's a did blessing. You, did you guys discuss death while you were doing the whole reggae land breath kind of thing, or was it, yeah, it, was it like was a never surprise mentioned. to you? It was never mentioned. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Not a word. If you think the sons didn't know? I didn't, <laughs> of course, I didn't know. Uh, we have a uh, basically a, a schedule that we stick to, you know, as far as rehearsal, and that's like twice a week. And that's been since day one, you know, we're professionals like that. We know how you have to do it. Okay, so we get to rehearsal one day, and uh, this guy here has a different kind of look on his face. You know, he looks kind of work, you know. Come to find out, his brother and himself had known about them being rediscovered for about, oh no, maybe a month and a half. and never peeped a word to me. And then when it came up to, we were doing, uh, a gig came up in New York, it was Joey Ramones. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, birthday, I believe it was, and that was the first hit that we did as Death, and that's when you say, hey, listen, man, <laughs> you know, he dropped the whole thing on me, I'd like, wow, what are you talking about? And he gave me all this music, and I flipped, actually, I was like, I was very fond of the whole album the first time I heard it, and I couldn't wait to get on the first song that I loved was uh, Prisoner, mm -hmm. never forget that, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just been like a gas, I mean, these guys were incognito, undercover rock stars. Right. <laughs> Makes it so much cooler in a way. Actually. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's cool. We've not got, unfortunately, we've not got enough, a lot of time left. So quickly, let's mm -hmm. talk about your new album that's coming out. I've got pressings over here. We've got a couple of singles. Well, you know, we have what we basically we have a whole. When you when you come to the theater, we have, there's a, a little handout that they put together uh, that's got all of our releases in in the order of, of what they released. I mean, we've now released, with Drag City Records, we've released three historic um, death albums with the music that me, Dennis, and David originated from Detroit that spans all the way from Detroit to our time um, to our, our time when we was death in Vermont. Um, and um, we have a new album um, that Dennis and myself and, and Bobby Duncan right here put together um, right here in Vermont, as a matter of fact, at Joe Egan Studio. We recorded this in... The, and uh oh my god 2012 maybe 2013 and took a couple of years for it to to, yeah. to bring the fruitation and drag city re we released that uh, on our own triangle records label th through drag city records it's really kind of a a tribute to what we did in detroit to keep the the label of triangle and uh, drag city cooperated with us that on, on that really good and uh we have a great uh, new project. We call it new because it just stands for, you know, it's it's it's, it's the Death New Album, you mm. know, and uh, so you know we uh, it's the newer stuff that we've been doing, and some of it is um, some of the songs, uh, fortunately, are from the Death Songwriting Archive from Detroit. So there's a few songs on there that uh, that David pinned and, and and David and myself pinned, and and we just uh, you know we tried to. to give them the best justice we can by taking them into the studio and doing them exactly to the vision that we had uh, back in the 70s. Oh, it's so great that you've got that mixture of the old school death and new school death. Um, I'd love to listen to a track of it. Um, have you got anything prepared for us? Ceasefire? We have, this is our newest one. This is one of our newest ones, our newest single. It's actually, this song was written by Bobby Duncan, you know, and uh, um, this is kind of a in response to what's been going on all over the country. I think that David would really appreciate that because David always said that, you know, with death, our concept was that we wanted to say something. We just didn't want to be a, a band screaming and yelling rock and roll and 
on stage and while the whole world is on fire. And, you know, I mean, we are tuned in to what's going on. Um, and Bobby brought this song to us and we thought it was great, um, especially, you know, with, you know, so many, it's, it's, it's a different culture now. I mean, when, when I was young, in the early 60s, my mother would, this is how my mother would send me off to school. She would say, hey, you got lunch money? Uh, you got milk money? Hey, say hello to principal so-and-so for me. Say hello to the teacher. Say hello, you know, and I'll see you when you get back. And maybe I'll see you at lunchtime. That's the way I went to school. I send my kids to school now and I say, be aware of your surroundings. Check the exits. Make sure that everything is safe. If you see anything funny, you know. So, I mean, it's a whole different culture now. And I think the song addresses that. And we just want the whole country to, you know, to cease fire, man. I mean, it's, it's, it may be idiotic to say America, put away your guns because America was built on guns and will probably leave on guns. But uh, at least the least we could do if we have guns is to just cease fire. All right. Take it away. <laughs> Unfortunately, we couldn't hear the whole track, but, you know, if you uh, go to the gig on Saturday, obviously, you can go pick up a track and listen to it. Yeah, maybe we'll play the whole, the whole track for you. The whole track for you. Give you a little snippet tonight, teasing the audience, and then you can listen to the whole thing live on, on Saturday. Um, guys, before I let you go, could you please plug away? Um, what have you got coming, get, coming up in the next few days? I know you've got a few more... Radio shows, and I've heard you got some yeah. as well. Well, you know, I mean, we got we got some interviews, and we'll be milling around town, and we'll be talking up with uh, with some some television people, and and uh, of course, we'll be getting ready for the show on uh, Saturday. It's going to be a great. Uh, we're lo really looking forward to it. Once again, I said this is special to us because uh, Vermont is connected to our story. I mean, you can draw a line from Detroit all the way to Burlington, and that's the death story. Um, and uh, it, it, it just makes us feel good. Uh, and we appreciate living here in Vermont. Um, David was the one who directed us here. <laughs> and we didn't know exactly where we were going. As a matter of fact, if, you, if you've seen the movie, 
when they asked me what if 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 I like to go to New England, I was like, you know, just a young kid at the time, and I'm like, New England, what they do with the old one, you know? So, you know, I didn't even I thought we were going across the Atlantic or somewhere, <laughs> but uh, we just really appreciate the fact that we've been able to have such a, a wonderful musical legacy here, uh, from death to the fourth movement to Lamb's Bread to the present. Um, and uh, we just got a lot to share and a lot to come in the future. And we're going to keep on plugging away, man, rock and roll. That's that's what David would say if he was here. That was his moniker, rock and roll. So, Well, I'd urge anyone listening to go and check out uh, Death. At, was it Essex 3D Cinema? Essex 3D Cinema. They call it the Double E Center. But we'll be playing right in the Essex 3D uh, Cinema. And uh, go go rock out of the, uh, the pit, and uh, you can obviously you can also meet the band themselves. You guys are doing a Q and A, um, and what we've talked about tonight doesn't even touch on a tenth of real story. And trust me, it's a story yeah. worth listening to. So, guys, thank you so much for coming in. Everyone listening, go check them out on Saturday. Well, thank you, and thank, thank you, you to Big Heavy us. World, man. Keep Big Heavy World alive. Keep music alive. Let's bring back two forty two. Let's keep Vermont rocking. All right. Well, thank you guys so much Good for coming job. in once again. Uh, join us after the break where we have got Ali T coming up. So don't go anywhere. Thanks. All right. All right.